Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I understand from Pastor Daniel that your theme for this month is communion. And um, communion, and when I heard about this word, I actually searched the dictionary. <laughs> and uh, the dictionary says this way, communion is a kind of fellowship that is characterized by love and intimacy with God and with one another. It is a kind of Christian fellowship according to the people in the world. But the Bible has a word for this, which is called koinonia. Okay? So the Bible word for this is koinonia. And this koinonia is actually expressed in the book of Acts chapter 2. Okay? Um, okay, this expression of koinonia can be found in the book of Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47. And let me read to you. It says that the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The believers devoted, they gave their heart towards the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship of the believers and towards breaking bread. In the olden days, breaking bread means eating together. And it says that everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So there were signs and wonders, miracles that were performed by the apostles in that uh, koinonia, in, in, in that church there. And it says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. It means that there was unity. The people were together and they meet every day in the temple courts. Every day. The City Light Church uh, meet every day. No? <laughs> okay. Okay, if you meet every day, your pastor will be very busy. And they meet every day in the temple courts breaking bread and ate together in gladness. The church did not just study together. Signs and wonders were not just performed. They, they, was, they, were, they were together in unity and they were studying the word and they ate. And the Bible says that God added to their number. So this is the kind of church that God is making. It is God's dream that He wants to make this kind of people. From the very beginning in the book of Genesis, God created Adam and Eve because God wanted people so that He could be king and He could be king over the people. And then after Adam and Eve, we know that God created the children of Israel. And then God, in the New Testament, where the church began. So it is God's dream to build a kingdom people. From the very start, this is the plan of God, that God wants to build a kingdom people. You know, the word kingdom uh, sounds a little bit strange to us today. But the word kingdom is mentioned everywhere in the Bible. It is very biblical. 
And the word kingdom and kingdom people is actually mentioned in the book of Revelation chapter 7. If you read the book of Revelation, John had this vision of people of different tongue, tribe and nation gathering before the great white throne, worshipping God, wearing white robes, waving palm branches and this is the kingdom people that God will gather. You know, in heaven, uh, it's really, you have people from different tongue, tribe and nation. It's not just one single race, right? You have people. So that is the desire of God. And this theme of kingdom of God actually runs all the way from Genesis to Revelation. If you read the Bible, you can know that God that the kingdom of God actually is mentioned everywhere from Genesis to Revelation. And the kingdom of God actually is mentioned in Jesus' prayer. You know, in Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And this word kingdom of God actually appears more than 100 times in the New Testament. And more amazingly, Jesus himself preached the gospel of the kingdom. And not just Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Paul, the apostle Paul himself, was also preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Okay, There is no time for me to go through that, but it will be a very good thing for you to think about and ponder what is the gospel that we are preaching today? Are we preaching the gospel of the kingdom? And in Matthew chapter 5, next slide. This is very familiar with us. It is the sermon on the mount that Jesus preached. And in this sermon, he described how this kingdom people is to be like. Let me read to you. It says, You are the salt of the earth, and if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And Jesus said that we are like salt. Okay, uh, Today, I'm not sure whether you say someone, you know, you are like salt. Salt what it really means. Yeah. I don't know whether the person will feel uh, insulted, okay? Because salt does not worth much today. But in the olden days, salt is very, very valuable. You know that the Roman soldiers at that time, they were paid okay, with salt. Okay? That is their salary. Because salt at that time is very useful for preserving things, preserving things. There was not any refrigerator. So Jesus said that we are like salt of the earth. 
and the world actually depended on us, the kingdom people, to preserve. Next slide, please. And Jesus said, we are also the light of the world. Have you ever imagined a place that is pitch dark without light, total darkness? When I was in Nepal, I, I climbed up the hills for like four hours. When I reached the village, there was no electricity. And in that place at night, it is pitch dark. And honestly, when I raise my hand, I can't even see my own hand. It is that dark. So, when a place like this that is in total darkness, when you have light, it is really so wonderful. So God says we are that light, we are to shine, we are to illuminate, we are to help the world of darkness to see. Without us, the world can really uh, do not really see and they do not really know which direction to go. God has placed us in that world so that we can be that light, we can be that, the people that will shine the way for them to come to God. So when the people in the world, when they see our good deeds, they, will see, they see our lives, they see our behavior, they might see God. And when they see our lives like that, they will also want to know God. And then they will glorify Him. The church, the kingdom people are really very powerful people. Do you know that? And history has proved that. 65% of the Nobel Prize winners are Christians. Do you know that? They are disciples of Jesus who go out to the world and shine. And not only they shine, but they change, they transform society. Next slide, please. So church, let me ask you, in summary, what does it mean for City Like, Baptist, city like Church or you to glorify God? What does it mean for us to glorify God? Does it mean that we come to church on Sunday and raise our hands and sing and we are glorifying God by that? Yes, we are glorifying God by that, but it is more than that. What Jesus is trying to teach us here is that we glorify God when people look at our lives. When people look at the things we do everyday life, they see that this person is so different. That they are so attracted and they want to know this person's God. That through our lives, people will come to Jesus and people will come to know God. This is how we glorify God. Amen? Amen. And next slide, please. So today I want to talk to us about how do we become that kingdom people. Do you want to be the kingdom people, church? 
Yes. So today we want to go into the scripture and learn how we can become that kingdom people. This is the very reason Jesus came to this earth. He came to this earth to save us, yes, but to save us more than that so that we could become that kingdom people. And do you know that when Jesus came on earth, he inaugurates the kingdom of God on earth. In other words, it means that Jesus coming ushers in the kingdom of God. And Jesus' desire is for all people, people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, the poor, the rich, everyone, to come into the kingdom of God. That is God's desire. And God does not discriminate whether you come in Mercedes-Benz or you come in Kanchil or you come in bus or you walk. Jesus does not discriminate. He welcomes everybody into his kingdom. That's why the gospel is so powerful. I was just reading news that in China, it's just growing like wildfire because everybody is just rushing into the kingdom of God to receive Jesus into their lives. And that is truly good news. Good news for everybody that we can all enter through Jesus into his kingdom and become kin kingdom citizens. Amen? And I want to go a little bit deeper into the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught. Okay? Jesus actually taught the values and the characteristics of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not the kingdom of the world. Okay? The kingdom of God has a different value system and it has different characteristics. And you can find this, okay? Go back and read this uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And Jesus, many scholars believe that Jesus preached this sermon in one sitting, right? So it is one sermon, one sermon. But uh, Jesus may have preach many sermons, right? Uh, we know from the Bible that he actually shared parables and, you know, he, he, he went around talking to people, healing the sick, but really the Bible recorded for us only one sermon, right? Which is this sermon, okay? But this sermon is so complex that it takes us a lifetime to learn, okay? Uh, how wonderful it is that we just preach one sermon, right? And then you know, everybody will know what to do, okay? But it doesn't happen in the real world because we are not Jesus, yeah? But Jesus only preached one sermon. He modeled that. That Jesus internalized it. And he actually called his disciples and he taught that, he modeled it for the disciples and Jesus actually lived that values so that the disciples could see and could follow. And after that, the disciples began to understand and began to propagate that same values that today we are learning and we are. That's how Christianity grows in this world. 
it is through the propagating of this value. Next slide, please. And what are the characteristics of these kingdom values? Okay, and one of the things that we need to really understand about this is that the kingdom value does not focus on what is external, like our performance, like our possessions, what we have, or even our appearance. But the kingdom values focus on inner righteousness, which is our character. God is concerned about our character, about what and how we become. God does not, is not concerned so much about what we have, what we wear. But God is concerned about who we become. And next slide, please. And in this slide, you can see that Jesus listed seven things, right? In that Sermon on the Mount, I just extracted it. These seven things actually directed at our heart. And these seven things are anger. Lust, our integrity. How do we deal with people who hate us? Jesus talked about righteous acts, performing righteous acts. When we are giving, when we are fasting, when we are praying, how do we do that? Jesus talked about money, possessions, and treasures. Isn't it amazing that the Bible talks about all these issues? That's why the Bible is so relevant to our lives today. In fact, money is one of the things that the Bible talks about a lot. Some scholars say that it is only second after the kingdom of God. And Jesus talked about how we relate to other people. Talks about judgmental attitude and criticism. And for anger, Jesus said, you have heard, thou shalt not murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother already committed murder. This is implied. Do you know that? Have you ever Get angry with your brother. And Jesus said, You have heard, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, I tell you, those who look at a woman lustfully already committed adultery with her in her heart. Jesus goes much deeper. It's not in the acts, but in the thoughts and in the heart. Because that is where all our problems stem out from. It comes from the heart. Jesus said it's not what you eat into your mouth that makes you un unclean or impure, but it is what that comes out. Because it comes out from your heart. And Jesus said, let your yes be yes, 
and no be no and he said that anything that is beyond that it comes from the devil how many of us here have made promises and have never fulfilled it especially speakers and pastors like us we have so many people coming to us pastor please pray for me and then say oh yes i will pray for you and after that we walk away we forget and we must be reminded of the words of jesus that we must learn to let our yes be yes and no be no and one of the things that we must do is that when people ask us to pray for them, we can always say, brother, sister, let me pray for you right now. <laughs> so that we will not forget. This is the inner righteousness that Jesus is aiming at so that we can be healed and we can be whole and we can be that kingdom people that God wants us to be so that our light will truly shine bright. Jesus said, you heard it was said, love your neighbors but hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of God. How many of us don't have enemy here. <laughs> How many of us can do this? We can turn another cheek. When somebody slaps us on one side, we can turn the other cheek. Jesus again here is aiming at inner righteousness and then he said when you do your righteous acts like when you are giving don't be showy do not even let your right hand know what your left hand is giving to that extent, Jesus said that when you are fasting, do not look somber. And do not go around and tell people that I am fasting. Jesus said by doing your righteous acts in secret, you will receive reward from God. How many of us want to receive rewards from God? Amen. I want to receive rewards from God. And Jesus said, be careful about treasures. Because treasures can steal our heart. One of the treasures that can steal our heart is money. Have you ever come across people who have devoted their whole life not to God but to chase after money? And through chasing after money, they have ruined their lives, they have ruined their family, they have hurt people. That's why Jesus said, be careful 
about treasures. Why be careful? Because it can take over your life. It can become your God, something that you worship. You know, our heart is so deceitful that if we don't bring it under Jesus and His control, it can just lead us haywire. And Jesus said, be careful of a critical and judgmental spirit or attitude. Be careful. Why? And Jesus even used this illustration in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says about good eye and bad eye. Have you ever come across that passage? When he, Jesus talked about bad eye, he didn't mean conjunctivitis. Jesus said when you have a good eye, your body will be full of light. means you are going to be a happy person. That you have a clean heart. But if you have a bad eye, your heart, your life will be full of darkness. You will be sad. You will be resentful. You will hate people. And you will rub into other people. It is problematic. All because of our eye. What is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is talking about how do we look at people. When we look at a person, do we see the person is a person that is loved by God, created in His image? Or do we look at this person and say, you are really... Ugh. Someone has just told me that, you know, when I, when I try to practice this, you know, it's really very difficult. Very difficult because this person, when I look at his face, I just want to punch him, you know. Again, Jesus is talking about inner righteousness and teaching us how do we look at a person properly through the eyes of God, through the heart of God, so that instead of hatred, compassion will flow out. Love. We see people from the perspective of God. And when we see people like this, we will not have a critical attitude. And the reward is that we will be a much happier person. Our body will be full of light. I want to conclude by sharing with you a poem. 
And this poem is written by an anonymous monk in AD 1100. Let me read to you. He said, when I was a young man, I wanted to change the world. I found it was difficult to change the world, so I tried to change my nation. When I found out I couldn't change the nation, I began to focus on my town. I couldn't change the town, but as an older man, I tried to change my family. Now as an old man, I realize the only thing I can change is myself. And suddenly I realized that if long ago I had changed myself, I could have made an impact on my family, and my family and I could have made an impact on our town, and their impact could have changed the nation, and I could indeed have changed the world. You know why I read this to you? Because this resonates with me. I was once that young man, that larger-than-life young man who wanted to change the world. How many of you have been there before? Don't show your hand. <laughs> I was once like this. But recently, God has taught me something very, very precious. The only person that I can change is myself. This is a very simple poem, but there is so much truth in this. That if I change myself, I will affect my family, and my family will affect my church, my church will affect the community and the community, the community will affect the nation. So a very good question to ask this morning is where do I start? Where do I begin? How do I do this? Let me suggest humbly to you, my friends, that a good place to start is myself. Don't look at other people. We always think that the Bible is written for other people and not to us. That is why we preach to other people. But before you preach to other people, let the Bible preach to you. The Bible is meant, the Word of God is meant to read us what is in our heart. This is what it is primarily meant for. So let us start with ourselves. And how do we do this? We do this precept by precept. We learn one thing at a time. The Lord has recently taught me patience. The Lord has been teaching me a lot of things. And it is so amazing that 
God is with us every day and He is teaching us new things and He is making us to become better people, that kingdom people that God wants us to become. Let me share with you some of the stories about my personal relationship with God. I wanted God to teach me patience because I realized that I am a person who, who really do not have much patience. Especially when I'm driving, you know, all the devil inside will come out. I have the privilege and joy to bring my daughter to school every day. And you know that, you know, going to that school, there's there's a queue, you know, to enter the entrance of the school. And I, in the beginning, you know, I was just, you know, always in a hurry. So I will just overtake everybody, go past the gate and then stop her there and Daughter, you walk inside, okay? (laughs) And as I begin to talk to God about learning patience, now I do things differently. I just line up, quite quite line up. (laughs) For those of you who don't understand Hokkien, okay, ask your neighbor to translate, right? Quite quite line up. Get into the gate. Every time I do that, I just feel the Abba Father is so pleased with me. Son, you are making a baby step progress. And another thing that God is uh, teaching me is that, you know, have you all been to supermarket before? You know, when you want to pay something, you look for the shortest line, right? Yeah, so you always go to the shortest line, and then you queue up, and then you see the other line move faster. You say, oh yeah, I need to go that line. Patience. You know, I give you one tip, okay? From all this that I have learned, okay? In summary, don't live your life in a hurry. Many problems will come you think deeper about this truth that I'm sharing with you today. Don't live your life in a hurry. Another thing that God taught me about is about swearing. You know, of course I didn't use the four-letter word or what, you know. But I, in a way, I said something that is not very nice, you know. If there is something that you cannot say in public, don't say in private. Have you ever called people stupid? I do not know how many of you had driven your car here and how many times you have sworn and called people stupid, right? But you know what Jesus said? you are in danger of the fire of hell. <laughs> this is how high God's standard is because God wants us to be that kingdom people. 
I want to be real to you, church. As a person, even though I'm a pastor, I want to tell you that I have not arrived. We stand shoulder to shoulder. We help one another. And together we become that kingdom people that God wants us to be. There is so much potential that you have and it's really going to be a joy to us as fellow ministers and pastors in the city to see your church thrive, to see your church becoming that kingdom people. I'm saying this sincerely from my heart and Pastor Daniel is truly a man that I love. Even though I don't know him very well, Pastor Didikwa connected him to me. But I'm your brother. I'm your friend. And I truly wish you, wish the best for your church. And I truly want to pray that you will become that kingdom people. Let us pray.